Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I'm going to share a little bit about my recent bike ride. On June 12th of 2022, I rode 67 miles in honor of my sister, my mom, and many others who have had and do have cancer. To be honest, after the ride was done, I went into a funk for a couple of days. Actually, maybe more than a couple of days. I think it's normal when you look forward to a big event for so long and then it comes and is over. But as I spent those days reflecting on our bike ride, I realized how many similarities there were to our day of riding and my sister's cancer journey. I want to share that with you. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would sincerely appreciate you you going to the platform and leaving a rating and review. Thank you so much. Our bike ride and my sister's cancer journey. This was in the email my husband, our team captain, sent to our bike team 36 hours before our bike ride. Riding for a day in the rain will not be the most comfortable thing to do. It may be for a good way for us to remember why we are doing this. I witnessed my sister-in-law's fight, and most of you have witnessed family, friends, and loved ones fighting cancer. That sucks. Riding a day in the rain would be a cakewalk in comparison to fighting cancer. June 12, 2022 was the date of the 50th annual American Cancer Society's Bridge to the Beach Bikeathon. It was my second year riding 67 miles in honor of my sister, my mom, and many others who have had and do have cancer. Our first time riding was in September of 2021. We had a perfect weather day and a slight tailwind most of the way. We made record time and actually had to wait at the last rest stop so that our family and friends would have time to make it to the finish line. This year was different. The forecast was not great. Actually, they were calling for strong storms, rain, thunder, lightning, and heavy wind. But there is no rain date for this ride. So each person on the team made their own personal decision on whether or not to ride, and ride we did. Our team consisted of 14 riders, two dedicated friends who provided support along the route, financial support to our fundraising efforts, and family and friends who waited for us at the finish line. To be honest, after the ride was done, I went into a funk for a couple of days. I think it's a normal thing after you look forward to a big event for so long and then it comes and is over. We put so much time into planning the logistics of the day. I spent a lot of time in the quote unquote saddle as the bikers say, and then it's all over. As I spent the next few days reflecting on our bike ride, I realized how many similarities there were to our day of riding and my sister's cancer journey. I want to share some of those with you. The first similarity was diagnosis and signing up. When Amy was diagnosed with cancer in 2010, she and her family made the decision to follow an aggressive treatment plan that was presented by her oncologist. They were all in from day one. When you decide to ride 67 miles on a bike and you are not an experienced bike rider, it's like going all in. You're not starting with a 10 or 25 mile commitment. You are going right to a challenging goal. 
starting treatment and our start. Having cancer means appointments, calls, paperwork, explanations, discussions with family and friends, insurance claims, arrangements to be made. There is uncertainty and stress. You are entering into the unknown. You are putting your trust and your life into others' hands. As we were waiting in a parking garage to start the ride, the official start time came and went. But it was pouring. I mean, pouring. Everyone kept looking at the radar on their phones. If we just wait 10 more minutes, this red cell should be passed. But we didn't have a choice. They were going to close the bridge soon. So we set off into the unknown and were soaked through by the time we made it to the start at the Ben Franklin Bridge. Just like with cancer, you are clouded with uncertainty and the unknown, but you must move forward. Another similarity was places of rest. As we made our way over the bridge and into New Jersey, it started to thunder and perhaps a flash or two of lightning. We found refuge under an overpass. Many times Amy found refuge during her journey. She found places of rest to recharge, reframe, and seek shelter. She loved going to the beach, even when it wasn't so easy to get there. She loved being in the midst of whatever was going on, getting strength, love, and encouragement from others. Another similarity was staying in the gap. As we continued through New Jersey on our bikes, we kept trying to stay, quote unquote, in the gap, as we called it. There were two lines of storms coming through, and if we were lucky, we could stay in the gap between the lines. Anyone in treatment for cancer is looking to stay in the gap of active disease. That's basically the goal of most treatments, to remove cancer from the body and keep it from returning. There were also similarities in health and mechanical difficulties. Many times during Amy's treatment, she would have to deal with other health problems in addition to cancer. She developed neuropathy from her medications, which meant her feet were often tingly or had no feeling. She developed shingles once as her immune system was so compromised. She had a procedure that required anesthesia And when she got home, she experienced a seizure, which can be a side effect from coming out of the anesthesia. Many times I thought, my gosh, can we just deal with cancer alone? On our bike ride, we had lots of mechanicals, which are problems with your bike. We had four flat flat tires and three chains dropped. This required a lot of time to fix And so many times our group was split and we were waiting to regroup at the next stop. This also affected our ability to stay in the gap. Another similarity was encouraging times of support. Our friends, Jen and Chad, helped us get to the start and then were driving two cars to New Jersey for us. Instead of heading on down and waiting at the finish line, unbeknownst to us, they decided to stay with the route and find places to see us. They would just appear at random times and places, cheering, ringing bells, and offering support. They also had my husband's bike toolbox in the back of their truck, which was helpful for our many mechanicals. It was so life-giving to have these unexpected times of support. 
Amy had so many people on her side. Her support community was wide and far. I want to recognize one time in particular when she was met with encouragement and support. In July of 2018, our father died. Amy was receiving treatment when Becky called to tell her the news. We went to Nevada and buried our dad. Amy had to leave the evening after dad's service and take a red eye back to D.C. and go straight to her chemo appointment from the airport. Amy had made a friend, Leah, who was receiving treatment at the same times Amy did. They developed a friendship. That morning, when Amy arrived to the treatment center, Leah had cut up watermelon and snacks for Amy to eat. She knew that Amy was coming straight from the airport from her dad's funeral and wanted to provide support. Leah was a beautiful support to Amy in many ways. A final similarity was hospice and the finish line. In December of 2019, after being in ICU for two weeks with no improvement, Amy was sent home on hospice. Therapists came to the house to help her with her mobility, but after a couple of weeks, her oncologist told her there was nothing else they could do to treat Amy. Having a plan was Amy's purpose in charge. She did whatever the treatment called for and was always so positive. Being told there was no treatment available was not something she wanted to hear. As I shared in the beginning, I went into a funk after the finish. Everyone went back to their normal routines, and I was once again in a world without my sister. Doing something in her honor gave me purpose and power. This isn't the end of the story. Even after coming home on hospice, we had a beautiful Christmas together with Amy, and it was a time none of us will forget. She also helped design our jerseys for this bike ride, and every time I look at her on the back of the jersey as we are riding, I know she is with us. She was definitely with us on our ride this year. After we finished, as our team, family, and friends gathered for a night of food and fellowship, we commented that Amy was our angel that day. She kept our team of 14 people, five of whom are inexperienced riders, riding in those conditions, safe. Thanks, Amistella. I will continue to do everything in my power to keep her memory alive, whether that's a 67-mile bike ride or writing a blog about how she is still such a part of my life. I will always talk about and remember you, Amy. I miss you more than words can say. If you liked this episode or you are a fan of the show, the best way to support it is to share it on social media and with your family and friends. For more of my thoughts on the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. As always, remember, we can use grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with our grief.